For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Sorry for the uh, internet glitch. Um, um, we had to postpone beginning for a few minutes because there was a problem with the internet. Believe it or not, there's legal news aside from Donald Trump. Um, a few minutes ago, a New York grand jury indicted Daniel Perry. Remember him? He's the former Marine who was on a train when a very disturbed uh, man named uh, Jordan um, uh, uh, Neely um, uh, started uh, allegedly harassing uh, people. And uh, the former Marine uh, grabbed him, uh, but then he grabbed him around the neck. And in the process, um, uh, Neely died. And so um, the former Marine uh, Penny has just now been indicted. Um, the indictment hasn't been released, but the Daily News reported that it was for second-degree manslaughter, which probably makes some some sense. Uh, and we'll, when we get the indictment, perhaps next week, we'll talk more about this very troubling case. I mean, obviously, what the Marine did in grabbing the guy and trying to prevent him from frightening and scaring uh, people on the train was the right thing to do. I mean, he was a good Samaritan. He did the right thing. When he escalated from just grabbing him to grabbing him around the neck, the state will argue that was improper. And although he had no intention of inflicting any serious damage on him, certainly not killing him, that may satisfy the criteria for second degree Manslaughter. We'll wait and see. It's a case that generates a tremendous amount of passions on, on both sides. The usual suspects when any person uh, of a minority is, is killed, no matter what the circumstances, have obviously called for him to be indicted for murder and uh, uh, you know, the most serious forms of, of crimes. And people on the, on the other side have said, no, he shouldn't be indicted at all. Well, apparently the district attorney of New York persuaded a grand jury to indict him for a second degree manslaughter. We'll see what the evidence is. Um, there some witnesses came forward uh, indicating that the person who was killed actually did make some threats. We'll see whether those witnesses are credible or not. That could make all the difference in the world. Also, whether the judge will allow in the history of the man who was killed, which includes uh, bashing a woman on the head and almost killing her and hurting her brain. Um, but obviously, the defendant in this case didn't know about that. So we don't know for sure whether or not the judge will let it in. Some judges in comparable situations have, some have not. But we'll have an opportunity to get your views and to hear my view on that. But I don't like to talk about cases in detail until I know about the facts and the uh, and the evidence. So let's postpone judgment on that. We'll get to it and we'll get to it as soon as the evidence warrants, probably early next week. 
Today, I want to talk about uh, something different, uh, more national scale, um, about the media bias on the Trump case. Um, as I've said before, Walter Cronkite couldn't get a job today because he's too fair and, and, and too unbiased. I got to know Walter Cronkite at the end of his life. I was on his boat, um, met with him on a number of occasions, had conversations with him. He was actually quite a liberal guy, but you wouldn't know that watching him on television. Uh, of course, I remember watching him declare that uh, that John Kennedy had died of the wounds that he received in Dallas. I was uh, a law clerk in the Supreme Court, and I was surrounded by the justices in my little cubicle because I had a television when Walter Cronkite made that terrible, terrible announcement. Uh, Justice White cried. Um, he was very, very close friend of John Kennedy's. In any event, there are no Walter Cronkites uh, today. And when you just look at the reporting that occurred over the last couple of days um, since the indictment, it's as if there are two separate cases and two different people. Uh, an example, um, I, I watched one channel in which uh, the reporter who was in the courtroom during the arraignment reported, not editorialized, reported that, that Trump was sitting slouched, despondent, you know, in a defeatist way. Uh, another reporter sitting two feet away reported he was defiant and, and, and had his chest out and uh, is ready to fight back. And then the only source of objectivity at all is the courtroom sketch artist. And uh, she or he drew him in a kind of neutral position. So I can't tell whether he was defiant or, or, or somehow submissive. Uh, and I'm entitled and you're entitled to know that. Um, there should have been a camera in the, in the courtroom uh, showing us everything that happened in that public courtroom. It's our, it's our courtroom. It's the property of the United States of America. We paid for it. And we're entitled to see what's going on inside. Uh, when you watch some of the media or read some of the media, you just get two different versions. Uh, you get the New York Times, which will have biased news reporting, and then dozens of op-eds, editorials, quotes from people, statements, all of which make it clear without any doubt, oh, this is not, it's not even a close case that uh, Trump's guilty of all the charges and deserves to be uh, convicted of all the charges. Uh, and then you read some of the other uh, newspaper accounts or mostly see television accounts and it's, it's a witch hunt and uh, there's nothing to it and there is no basis and there's nothing to the indictment. Well, you know, I hope you get a fair assessment here. There is something to this indictment. It's not a nothing. It's not like the New York indictment, which is a nothing. Of course, the New York Times had editorials and reports indicating the New York was strong. Now, now they're backing away from that somewhat. Um, uh, but this is, this is stronger. I mean, this does have that one recorded conversation that Donald Trump foolishly allowed his staff member to record in which you hear paper rustling and you hear him holding up what appears to be uh, a paper and saying to the writer, I could have declassified this, but I didn't. It's still secret. And uh, the context was a paper describing a battle plan 
by the United States Army against a possible, against Iran. Uh, now, I don't know whether he actually showed that at all to uh, the writer or whether he just waved it in front of him. And I don't the, the, the piece of paper itself is not in evidence as far as I know the government doesn't have it. Maybe they'll get it. But um, right now we have to speculate what was in the paper, whether it was read by the reporter. That we'll find out. There'll be testimony by the reporter saying either, no, he just ran it by me. I didn't have a chance to read it. Or he'll say, oh, no, no, no. He, he let me read it and I read it and I saw the battle plans for Iran. We'll know that. But that's a substantial piece of evidence that the defense will have to respond to. It'll be the opening argument of the prosecution. Uh, and, uh, and it will be something that the defense will try very hard to minimize, but they're not going to be able to. It's a, you know, when you have the defendant's own words played to the jury, and there's no doubt that the recording itself is an accurate one. I won a case involving the former president of Ukraine where there were his own words, but they were moved around by artificial means, and we were able to persuade a court to throw out the charges. That's unlikely to be the case here. It, I haven't heard the, um, the, the uh, recording, but I've read, obviously, the transcript of it. And it sounds like Donald Trump uh, with all the bravado and, uh, you know, all, all the things that he represents, the positive and the negative. But um, his lawyers will have to will have to get around that and we'll have to figure out a way of of dealing with that. Can they? I don't know. But that's not the point of this program today. The point about this program is where do you go to get the truth? And the answer is nowhere. Um, I read the Wall Street Journal, which I think is today the most accurate front page. Now, I write for the Wall Street Journal. I mean, I do editorials. I did one this Monday. I'm not an employee of, of the Wall Street Journal. I do, I don't know, three or four years. That's all. But that's where I write my editorials. I used to write for the New York Times, but they canceled me. Um, I was probably the most frequent uh, lawyer contributor to the New York Times early on. I wrote for the magazine, for the book review, for the op-ed section, um, even for the arts and culture section at one point. Um, but uh, that's no longer the case. Once I defended Donald Trump, I was no longer eligible to write for the New York Times, even though my assessments are right on and my predictions have been much more accurate than the writers uh, generally for the New York Times. But they don't want to have anything to do with somebody who has a balanced view, somebody who votes against Trump, but supports his right to a fair trial and to a fair impeachment. That's the last thing the Times wants. The last thing CNN wants, uh, the last thing MSNBC wants. And so um, I tend to be on Fox and Newsmax and uh, I present my views on Fox and Newsmax, which are not Fox and Newsmax's views. And I'm constantly stating different points of views than are stated by the other people on those uh, on those channels. So you know, I think you can count on me to get a fair assessment. I, I see all sides of the, of, of the issue. Uh, but some people don't want to hear all sides of the issue. They only want to hear their side. You know, There's a famous story, apocryphal or not, and I don't know, sounds like it was true, that Harry Truman, when he was president, very opinionated man, obviously, uh, told his chief of staff that he wants a lawyer who had his arm amputated. And, and, and the chief of staff said, oh, that's so nice of you to want to hire a disabled man. No, no, no. He said, I just 
I'm sick and tired of lawyers who constantly say to me, on the one hand, on the other hand, I want a lawyer with one hand. And so, you know, there are clients who want that. They, if they do, they shouldn't hire me as a lawyer. Uh, I always tell my clients on the one hand, on the other hand, I always give them the nuanced assessments. I always, uh, with them, uh, try to make hard decisions, um, difficult choices, uh, sometimes tragic choices, which there are no good answers. Um, you know, as I've said before, the job of a criminal lawyer is not to go from good to better and best. Uh, mostly that option isn't available because most clients of most criminal defense lawyers are guilty of something. So the options that I usually present my clients with are bad, worse, worser, worsest, and absolutely intolerable, like the death penalty. And we tried to go from worsest to worse and from worse to not so bad. Um, uh, but it's always going to be balance and nuance. And that's not what you get on television today. And, and we're, the, we're the worst for it. Uh, it's, it's just you cannot find out what the reality is of uh, the cases against Donald Trump. You can, if you uh, read my book, Get Trump, you'll see both the positives and the negatives of all four of the cases, the Florida case, which I've always thought was the strongest, the um, New York case, which I always thought was the weakest, and the um, Georgia and DC cases, which are weaker than they are strong, and uh, uh, but much, much less weak than the New York case. In fact, you know, it's very possible that um, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office may be able to persuade Bragg to drop the absurd New York case, because I think the last thing they want is a very, very weak trial in New York prior to the Florida case. Um, they might get an acquittal. They might not. It's a New York jury. Eighty seven percent of the people who are on the veneer who are voters in New York um, are voted against Trump. That doesn't mean they can't necessarily be fair and objective, but it just makes it much less likely. So at the moment, if the schedule persists, the New York case will go first and will probably occur before the election, whereas the stronger case, the Florida case, will probably occur after the election, although one can't be sure. There will be efforts by the prosecution to speed it up. And, and we know that uh, Rachel Maddow and others have said, uh, gee, why don't prosecutors make a deal uh, in exchange for Trump withdrawing from his race to become president? They dropped the charges. Now, there's anything that proves that at least some people see the charges against him as simply a way of getting Trump, of getting him from running for president. Obviously, the Rachel Maddow and the same argument made by some Democratic politicians uh, certainly demonstrates that uh, at least one important motive of going after Trump um, is uh, uh, a desire to stop him from running and becoming uh, president. Now, as I've said before, again, you're getting balance here. Trump should not have done what he did. He should not have uh, spoken to his lawyers the way he did. He, I don't think he crossed the line into waiving his lawyer-client privilege, but he said things like, wouldn't it be better if there were, if there was uh, no evidence uh, or if the evidence was gone? Um, um, and I'm sure the lawyers said, no, that wouldn't be better. And, and, and that happens all the time. I have clients all the time asking me, 
questions. That's what the lawyer-client privilege is about. It's about a dialogue, about clients asking the lawyers questions and the lawyers responding to them. Clients don't know. Many clients don't know that it's a crime to lie to the FBI or a crime to destroy a piece of evidence. They should, but some don't. And that's what lawyers are there for, to tell them. So I don't think that the lawyer-client privilege was violated based on what I know. There, there, there's a sealed opinion, and maybe the sealed opinion will be ultimately revealed. Everything should be revealed. There should be no sealed documents here at all. Everything should be on television. Everything relating to Trump should be revealed. Everything relating to Biden should be revealed as well. The dialogue between um, um, the one of the directors, assistant directors of the FBI and Ted Cruz um, was not a dialogue that reflected a desire for transparency. So, you know, Cruz said, show us this, these, these forms in which an informer says money was passed. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm not going to conclude it wasn't until I hear the transcripts or see the evidence or uh, find out who said it and what their credibility is. And, and the FBI guy said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And, and Cruz said, well, why aren't you giving it to me? The American public has the right. I'm used to that kind of exchange with Ted Cruz because he did that in my class all the time. He was constantly trying to cross-examine me. I was the teacher. I was supposed to cross-examine him, but not Ted Cruz. He would always uh, fight back and, and argue. That's why he was a really interesting and good student because good professors really want dialogue with students, not just a one-way one street. But the point is, we're not getting the straight poop on Donald Trump. Uh, and, and you walk down the street and you talk to people. And it depends on which media they read and which media they saw and which media they heard. And, 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 and their view of the case will completely depend on how the information was filtered. And if it was filtered through, through MSNBC or filtered through CNN or filtered through the New York Times, what are you even in the trial? Of course he's guilty. And if it was filtered through um, some of the conservative channels, what do you even need a trial? Of course he's innocent. It was all just a, uh, a witch hunt. So uh, we, the American public, who who really want nuance, who understand that there are virtues and vices on both sides. I wrote a piece the other day in which I said, what if both Trump and the prosecutors are guilty? What if they're both wrong? And that happens from time to time. You know, in exclusionary rule cases, for example, let's assume that the police break into somebody's house. The O.J. Simpson case, perfect example. The police break into somebody's house, as Officer Furman basically did, climbed over the fence, and they find a piece of evidence that's a damning piece of evidence. That evidence should be, it wasn't in the, in, in the O.J. Simpson case, but it should be excluded. And so when you have a situation where both the defendant has done wrong and the police have done wrong, under our exclusionary rule, it generally benefits the, the defendant. Um, and um, there are some issues like that relating to this case as well. There are exclusionary rule cases, the search of uh, Mar-a-Lago, uh, the uh, allowance by the judge and the judges in, 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 in the District of Columbia to permit uh, the, the lawyer's testimony and notes to go before the grand jury. Those will all be challenged and we'll see how they come out, but it requires balance and nuance to understand these things. But nobody wants to understand. Nobody wants nuance. That's why I've been so good at predicting outcomes in my book, Get Trump. I predicted exactly uh, this indictment. Most other commentators didn't. They either predicted 
you know, he'd be indicted on all and all the charges and convicted, or they predicted he'd be indicted on none, none of the charges because that's what they wanted. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad for predictions if you engage in wishful thinking. If you predict what you want to happen, self-fulfilling prophecies sometimes occur, but mostly when you have no control over it, they don't occur. And so if you want a good predictor, you have to get somebody who's balanced, who, who doesn't have uh, a dog in the fight uh, and who really wants to get to the truth or wants to protect and defend the Constitution. And so, again, I'm pushing very hard for uh, the televising of the of the trial, of every aspect of the trial. I'm also pushing very hard for revealing documents uh, in the Biden case. I want everything out there, as Justice Brandeis said 100 years ago, sunlight is the best disinfectant. He's wrong medically, but he's right uh, politically. Antibiotics are better disinfectants than sunshine. But from a metaphor point of view, uh, sunshine is the best disinfectant politically. So. I'm hoping we'll see a movement uh, toward uh, allowing the public to make their own minds up instead of hearing and seeing through the filters of biased journalism what actually occurred in the courtroom. I mentioned before that the O.J. Simpson case, very, very controversial, but people who watched it uh, were less surprised at the result, the strange result, the result that many people disagreed with. But people who watched the trial on television or less surprised than people who read about it in, in the newspapers. You know, Justice Scalia had an interesting view on this. He said he had no objection to television in the courtroom as long as the people are required to watch the whole thing. He was talking about arguments with the Supreme Court instead of seeing snippets on television. And there's, there's something to that. But look, we can't control people's people's watching habits. So, so um, let's get some let's get some questions. Let's see if there are any uh uh, any online immediately. Why was the grand jury in D.C. and not in Florida? Is this normal? Absolutely not. Very good question. The, the case started in D.C. It should never have started in D.C. It was done, I believe, to get a tactical advantage for the prosecution. They thought they probably would have a more sympathetic court in the District of Columbia, a more sympathetic District Court, Court of Appeals. Uh, and so they went and had a grand jury to get their legal judgments affirmed and give them access to the evidence. But then when it came to the trial, they did the right thing. And really the only thing they started a grand jury where the crimes alleged crimes actually occurred in Palm Beach County. Was that dirty pool? Yeah, I think it was. Is it something prosecutors do a lot? Yeah, I think they probably do. But, um, but uh, uh, let's, uh, Let's see how that works itself out. Who will approve the clearance of Trump's lawyers for classified documents? If it's somebody from the Biden administration, would that give them a chance to eliminate good lawyers for Trump? Generally, um, it's been fair. I've been involved in cases like that. And generally, it's the people who make judgments about classification aren't part of the prosecution team. So I, I'm not unhappy with that. Would it be constitutional to impeach Biden if bribery was proven? No, that's one of the provisions of the Constitution, but it has to be proven. Uh, and um, uh, But if you were impeached for bribery, um, and if there was evidence of it, that would be constitutional, unlike the prior impeachments of Clinton uh, and, uh, and, and uh, Andrew Johnson and, uh, and, and others. Um, let's see. 
Professor, shouldn't Trump sue those who made Project 65? Doesn't that take away constitutional rights not only of Trump, but also of lawyers who, like you, uh, would be punished if they represent Trump? I would hope a lawsuit would be brought against Project 65. It really is uh, McCarthyism at, at, at its worst. Uh, somebody else writes, how can the law profession look itself in the mirror and be proud of what it sees when it allows a group like Project 65 to operate openly? What a bunch of spineless, craven shysters. They collectively deserve all the disrespect and scorn heaped on them. Well, I'm certainly going to continue to heap scorn uh, on them. Totally agree with you both on the use of the Espionage Act being said in the courtroom by the prosecution and also denial of the camera. Well, good. I think I think those are both both the right conclusions. Uh, whenever I feel my bias creeping in, I listen to Dershowitz. Thank you. That's the highest. That's the highest compliment. The quote child molestation and inside trading act is by far the funniest thing I've heard on this channel and also gets the point across very, very well. As, as I said, you know, Congress could pass a statute naming anything they want to name it. The Espionage Act has a little bit to do with espionage, mostly to do with improper possession of classified material and also dissent against wars and against government policy. So it's misnamed. So imagine Congress passing a statute that's called the Child Molestation and Inside Trading Act. And then if a person is tried for inside trading, they can go in front of the jury and say, this man has been charged under the Child Molestation and Inside Trading Act. That's what's happening here. That's why the court should rule that uh, no, nobody should be allowed to mention the word espionage in the courtroom. Uh, Jonathan Turley says a president can pardon himself, Alan. Well, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, nobody knows the answer because it, um, it uh, is not in the Constitution. We'll have to wait and see. Um, can an individual judge in the federal courts decide to allow TV? As an initial matter, yes. And may maybe one party could then challenge it. But I think she could decide. The Supreme Court did decide to allow uh, a broadcasting of the arguments in Roe versus Wade overruling. And that was a good thing. Serious question. If Trump goes to prison, did the Secret Service get to protect him in prison? He's not going to go to prison while he's um, president. But of course, the Secret Service has to protect the person after that president. And uh, yeah, yeah, they would have to be there uh, watching him and protecting him. Finally, Versailles is also my favorite restaurant in Miami. Way to go, Dersh. I, I love the Versailles. I used to go there all the time. After watching concerts uh, in Miami, a group of us used to go and have this marvelous uh, Cuban food at, at the Versailles. I don't want this to seem like an advertisement for Versailles, but uh, if you're in Miami, it's, it's a great place. It's also a place where politicians meet uh, and people from the, the Cuban American community, which is one of the great communities, the backstone, back, backbone of, uh, of Miami. And, uh, you know, it, the case for, for immigration uh, is illustrated very well by how the Cuban-American community has contributed marvelously uh, to the United States, uh, not only in, in Florida, but, but all over the country. Ted Cruz, uh, um, um, my, my friend uh, Kathy Rundle, who's the state attorney of, of Miami. These are great, great, great people, um, different parties. You might like one, not the other. But the Cuban-American community has just contributed amazingly. Immigrants in general have contributed so much to this country. That's why I'm so pro-immigration. But I do obviously want to see rules and laws and people getting into the country in order of their compliance with uh, the rule of law. And, um, and so I, I hope we can come to some uh, compromise on that issue. 
as well. Okay, by next week, who knows who will be indicted? Who knows what other legal news there is? One thing you know, you're going to get the straight poop on the Dirt Show, just the way you got the straight poop in Get Trump. So get, get Trump. And listen to the Dirt Show, and I'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.